WrestlePlug 444 Life. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to hashtag get plugged in. The refreshing, empowering moment that we have all wanted from WWE. It's like ordering a, a medium pizza and then turning up with an extra large and a bottle of Coke. You absolute moldy cheese fucking baby bell dairy lead dunker shit. What happens is these fucking people live in this fantasy land. Everyone got their shit in. Everyone got each other over. Everyone looked good and made the industry look great. People need to fucking back the fuck off Ronda Rousey. New to oh. wrestling talent. Gentlemen, I'm Aaron Nix, the hardest working man in all of UK wrestling podcasting, and I'm back to discuss NXT Vengeance Day. Takeover was last night. Man, I'm exhausted just from watching that. I am so emotionally charged, though, and I'm looking forward to reviewing it for you guys for the WrestleBlog YouTube channel and also the audio podcast. So if you're watching this and thinking, Man, I don't have time to sit down and watch Aaron Nix's ugly mug talk about wrestling. Well, good news. Stick your earbuds in. You can find WrestlePlug wherever you get your podcasts. Certainly, ladies and gentlemen, because this might be slightly longer than our average video on our average podcast. But I hope that the highlights and the extended highlights that you're going to see from the show will be more than enough to keep you entertained as well as my commentary. So cue the WrestlePlug Titantron and it's time to discuss NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day. And the show opened... With the Dusty Rhodes Women's Classic Final. Who would become the first ever Dusty Rhodes Classic Women's Final winners? <sighs> Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez taking on the somewhat makeshift team of Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon. Who, by the way, looked absolutely stellar on that tank, as always. I really love that entrance. I love that tank. It's so different. People say that wrestlers don't have as much fun. Or they're not having as much fun in WWE. That's clearly bullshit. That's clearly made up by people who are butthurt or sore or ultimately just don't really enjoy WWE and want an excuse to shit on it. But this match was a really good opener. For me, it was probably the weakest match I saw of the night. That's not saying it was a bad match, but ultimately when the other matches are as good as they are, you know, it, it felt to me like this was a three and a half to four star match. And that, for me, is a top-quality wrestling match. And there's no shame in being the worst match in a card of excellence. Uh, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez in the semi-finals took on Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carr. And as you remember, um, quite a lot of people were very critical of it. I tried to be as honest as I could, and as honest as I always am. I felt that the match was a little bit too fast. There was plenty of great content, plenty of great moves, but they needed to slow down a little bit. It almost felt like they were rushing, like, get to the end, get to the end, get to the next move, get to the next move. Just relax, man. Something that I'm guilty of when I'm doing these reviews. And I thought that this match kind of suffered a little bit from that too. Now, Ember Moon is world class. The fact that she's on the NXT roster and not on the main roster speaks volumes about, well, just how special NXT is and a place to work because she made the choice from what I can tell and from what I've read to go back to NXT because she felt that she would be used slightly better there. And that says a lot because the main roster actually has got some phenomenal women's talents who are really gearing up nicely for WrestleMania. But NXT really is the land of excellence as far as I'm concerned. I like this match. Very hard-hitting. Raquel Gonzalez looked magnificent. And for me, Raquel Gonzalez was the most important part of this match. Because the other three women are always going to have 
a certain degree of fan base and passion and support based on how they look, how they present themselves, uh, Dakota Kai, Shotzi Blackheart in particular, they've kind of got that cult following already. Raquel Gonzalez is obviously becoming a megastar in so many people's eyes, especially this man's eyes, but at the same time, it feels like there are... It's going to be a little bit more difficult for me in terms of getting her over long term. Just because people are going to assume, oh, here comes another big powerhouse. She's not much of a talker like some of the other women are. But she's magnificent in the ring. She's an absolute specimen. And she just towers over everyone. Her match with Rhea Ripley for me was a true turning point in her career. And she really looked great in this. Uh, for my money, I didn't enjoy the overly uh, done kind of trying to take out Raquel Gonzalez. The match started off really well with the psychology of it because obviously they targeted Dakota Kai being the smaller of the two, isolate her, make sure Raquel Gonzalez can't get in and be so destructive. But honestly, if I was booking it, I would have had Raquel Gonzalez bump and sell a little bit less. I know that the modern day wrestling fan in particular and I kind of you know, I'm all over the place. You know, sometimes I like the modern shit, sometimes I like an old school mentality. I have very differing opinions based on what match I watch and I like to think that ultimately what I feel a match should present has some sort of merit in terms of my opinion but I would have liked to have seen Raquel Gonzalez sell a little bit less. One thing I love though is when she gave that pounce to Ember Moon and sent her flying over the ropes and then gave her another pounce off the stage. It was a great match. I really enjoyed it. It was very fitting of the final of the first ever Dusty Classic women's final. Uh, for me it wasn't the strongest match on the card like I've said but on the flip side of things, it was still magnificent. And because it wasn't so shiny and perfect and had a couple of botches and felt a little bit disjointed in places, it actually sometimes felt like more of a real fight. So it's not always necessarily a bad thing if you don't hit all your moves so slowly. But I get it. It's a big, big, big stage for these women. And particularly when you consider it's the first. And you only get to do a first once. And sometimes WWE can really ruin a first. Uh, just look at the women's money in the bank ladder match. But this was excellent. Good show opener. Set the pace very nicely. A little bit unfair for them. Because following that is Johnny Gargano defending the NXT North American Championship against Kushida. That's unfair. <laughs> these guys are smooth. And you knew from the get-go this was going to be one of the smoothest, most professionally hard-hitting matches. Johnny Gargano very much is the everyman of NXT. A lot of people have likened him to Daniel Bryan because he just has that fantastic ability to garner brilliance from everybody involved and also raise his game as well. Johnny Gargano doesn't have a bad match. Kushida is a guy that I've actually had the pleasure not only of meeting, but seeing so close in person, front rows of British wrestling. Obviously, he worked over here because Rev Pro has quite a good relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling. So we were afforded the opportunity to see guys like this. And I'm very lucky that I'd forked over the money to see him, you know, from the front row, like I say. And it's so cool to now see him on a mainstream platform like this because I have been a little critical of some Japanese wrestlers when they become talents in WWE. Shinsuke Nakamura was one. Um, Hideo Itami as well, Kenta. I, I feel like, particularly in terms of the men, some of them can really struggle to translate into a more sports entertainment environment because Japanese wrestling is so physical and it's so disciplined and it is so... 
ingrained with a more MMA style of wrestling, particularly on the men's side of things. And especially if you worked in the New Japan Dojo, you know, they take wrestling very seriously, aren't they? And rightfully so, they should take it seriously. And because of that, their product is always excellent and always very crisp, physical and violent. And that's what Kushida brings. But I really like the time splitter gimmick. I loved his entrance. I thought that looked excellent. This match was fluid. Beautiful technical transitions. Gargano, like I say, works beautifully with everybody. What I love about Kushida in NXT is he and the creative team around him and everyone involved has found a way of presenting him beautifully without giving him an over-the-top, unnecessarily uh, ostentatious kind of personality. I like that. Just because he's Japanese, they haven't thought, oh shit, he doesn't speak the best English. Let's cover him with all this ridiculous garb. Let's give him a manager that makes no sense. No, actually, they've just gone... Cool. We know that you are a fantastic brawler as well as one of the better technical wrestlers in the world. So let's put you in that scenario. Let's give you an opportunity to let your wrestling showcase your personality. And that's exactly what happened. And this match is a fantastic opportunity for him. Him and Gargano, like I say, work so beautifully. Some of the maneuvers in this match, the physicality of it. And also, I love the psychology of it. Going right back to that arm. Kushida is a target man, he's a hitman of sorts, and he goes after that arm so well, and we saw later in the night how good um, and how special the psychology of working on body parts can be in wrestling. I don't think it's a story that's told enough, and I think that NXT does this so well, and it's yet another reason why NXT, I find myself enjoying that more so than I do almost any other show, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it just caters towards me. I think it's the best wrestling show going at the moment. A lot of people will disagree with that. A lot of people have this, you know, I've seen it in the comments. There's a very narrow-minded attitude of, I don't like WWE. They take the piss out of me. They steal my money, blah, blah, blah. I don't think any of those things are correct. And if you have a moral complication in watching WWE, that's not a problem either. That is entirely at your um, disposal as to whether you want to be that way. But at the same time... I feel that WWE still does it better than anybody else with a product like WWE NXT. I'm not going to lump Raw in that category because I'll be honest, Raw's a bit shit. <laughs> you know, just because I like WWE doesn't mean I'm not going to take them to task. And I'm a huge mark for Impact Wrestling, as everybody knows. So I like to think that I love all good wrestling. And if a show's good, I'll tell you it's good, even if I'm not necessarily a huge fan of the company. Now, for me, this match was... Brilliant. It was a match of the night. I know it was for some of you guys, and we'll get into the interactions, the small amount of interactions I do have to talk about at the end of this show. And also, don't forget that at the end of this podcast, I will be giving away a t-shirt or a free piece of art. It will be up to the winner. You are all in the hat. I've got every single name of every subscriber, and also the people who also follow us on social media, aka Twitter, at WrestlePlug, and I will be giving that away very soon. So, buckle up. Should be a good one. But ultimately, it's Johnny Gargano who comes out on top. And that was a little bit of a surprise for me, because the way they built it, you must have thought, wow, well, there's absolutely no chance that... Uh, yeah, I thought, with the way they built it, there's no chance that Kushida was going to lose this match. But turns out he did. Uh, he lost after two vicious DDTs. And I love the finish of every match tonight. That was one thing that was really special to me, was the fact that every single match, the way it finished felt realistic. 
They didn't just put them away, um, you know, willy-nilly. The women's match might be the only time, the women's title match, where I felt that the finish kind of was a little bit lacklustre. Other than that, I felt that the finishes were very legitimate and helped keep everybody involved strong, and they should do on a pay-per-view as far as I'm concerned, unless, you know, you're having a, a squash match of sorts with, you know, a powerhouse like a Karrion Cross, for instance. And as a quick aside as well, um, <laughs> it was so like, it, Lincoln, you would have missed it. During the entrance for the way, they're all coming out with Johnny Gargano and Austin Theory gets uh, chloroformed of sorts by Dexter Loomis and removed. And I know that that popped a lot of people. I definitely think that WWE is aware of how people look at someone like Austin Theory. And of course, the allegations that came out with it. And they're trying to try and, to the detriment or to the credit of WWE, depending on which way you look at it, they're definitely trying to use this stuff as a more comedic device to maybe ease the tension of everything that's going on with allegations, etc., um, I'm not sure really whether I think that's a good thing or not, but I do find it very amusing that Dexter Loomis is essentially a serial killer, but he's massively over because of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is a gimmick you wouldn't have thought would have got over, but it does. Fair play to him. Now then, on the flip side of the Dusty Classic, the men's final was the match that I had told everybody to watch this show for. I don't think it's a stretch to say that even before this match started, this was expected to be an absolute match of the year contender. MSK challenging GYV. Now, I've been calling GYV my boys for nigh on years now. However, MSK have always been my boys as well. Everyone knows how much I mark hard for the rascals. And what I loved about this match and what spoke volumes about the quality of MSK in particular and the love that people have for Wesley and Nash Carter, formerly known, of course, as the Rascals, Scarlet and Graves, Zachary Wentz, Desmond Xavier. I watched Twitter and I noticed so much love and outpouring from different wrestlers, whether it be Josh Alexander or Tyre Valkyrie, um, Trey Miguel. So many people who have worked with the Rascals were so happy for this moment. Now, MSK versus GYV was the perfect face versus heel matchup. The plucky, high-flying underdogs that everyone can get behind. The likeable, relatable guys that are MSK. And then on the flip side, these nasty, burly, angry Brits. And it wasn't a very good night if you were English, I can tell you that much. The fact that GYV played such brilliant heel foils to MSK's high-flying, plucky underdogs, it made for the perfect matchup before it had even begun. And by the way, Zach Gibson's promo at the start, when he talks about how you are not here to have fun Take those stupid green pyjamas off. Shove them up your ass. We are here to win the Dusty Classic. There's a reason that WWE and so many people are high on Zach Gibson in particular. But these guys as a team, James Drake is wickedly underrated. Zach Gibson for me is genuinely one of the best mic workers in the world. And the fact that he's in NXT speaks volumes about the credibility and also the attitude that NXT has towards charismatic wrestlers who can also work. Zach Gibson is a very rare breed because not only is he so magnificent at garnering heat and being an incredible heel, but he's also world-class in the ring and he's a proper high-quality European-style wrestler and I love that. He doesn't just talk a load of bollocks and then just get his ass kicked. He can go in there and work with anybody. I've seen him work with so many different wrestlers from Zack Sabre Jr. to Haruki Goto from New Japan and here with MSK. He can work with everyone. He can do it all. He is genuinely one of the more vital assets I believe that WWE has. They need guys like this. Guys like this help legitimize your product and they help legitimize 
wrestling. This match was magnificent, as you would expect. And when you consider the high-octane style that both teams at times would apply, uh, you would have been forgiven for expecting at least a few mistakes or maybe some botches along the way. And it was so smooth. Man, it was so smooth. The high-quality offense, the smoothness of MSK is beautiful to watch. It always has been for so many years now. And when I watch a match like this, I use this match as a good example to try and explain to people why I'm not as huge a fan of something like, say, the Young Bucks or some of the more AEW-heavy tag team matches with the, you know, the high athleticism, guys like Top Flight. There's nothing wrong with those guys. They're obviously very talented. But the way I watched MSK, it felt like it meant something more. It wasn't just flipping around for the sake of flipping around. Case in point, that astonishing taupe over the corner, straight onto GYV, that Desmond Xavier, aka Wesley, as he's now called, which, sorry, I know you're a huge fan of the podcast. I know he follows us. Uh, come on, man. That's He's not the best name, is it? If there's one thing I have to critique. But it's just a fucking name, and it doesn't mean that much in the long term, and I don't find it that offensive. But like I was saying, that tope over the corner, that meant something because it was built to that moment. It wasn't just done on the flip side for nothing. And that really was the identity of this match. And I saw everyone falling over on social media, professionals, fans alike. And I think that's incredible to see everyone as a unit just come together and celebrate this incredible win. Because it's MSK who capture the Dusty Classic. I stuck with my pick till the bitter end. And that, of course, was GYV. But I was so conflicted because these, for me, are the two best tag teams that NXT has right now. Uh, And the fact that I was able to see them both in the final, and this was my dream final of sorts and a dream match for me, I was absolutely thrilled to get to see it unfold the way it did. It was five-star. It was fantastic. It was an excellent match. And dare I say it wasn't the best match of the night for me, and that is astonishing. And again, just like I mentioned with the women's match that opened the show, there's no shame in being slightly worse off than some of the other matches on this card because you could still be of five-star excellence like this and yet still not be, at least in my eyes, the match of the night and possibly one of the matches of the century, which I'm going to get on to. Um, but I loved it. It was so cool. I was quite emotional as I keep banging on this podcast and you guys are probably getting tired of hearing it. I love the Rascals. I've met them personally. I really have so much time. I have such an affinity for their wrestling and their quality of wrestling and their attitude. Really Really lovely human beings are Zachary Wentz, Desmond Xavier, aka Nash Carter, Wesley, truly deserving of this moment. Congratulations, lads. I'm I am just gonna jump in with everybody else. We are all so proud of you. We love you, and it was such a great moment. And by the way, GYV, dust yourselves off, boys, because you have got an incredible career. And the fact that you've been brought from NXT UK to work on NXT, the bigger of the two brands, so to speak, the one that has the eyeballs on it, the one that is on a national television platform in USA. I don't give a shit about ratings. You tell Zach Gibson and James Drake 10 years ago, hey, you boys are going to be on one of the bigger TV providers in the United States, plying your craft and being internationally renowned wrestlers. I think they would have taken it. So shove your ratings up your fucking ass. Nobody cares about them. This was magnificent. Let's all just sit back and take a moment to appreciate how special this match was. And also, what a great homage to the legend himself, Dusty Rhodes. Now, the women's match, the women's title match, of course, Triple Threat, Io Shirai defending against Tony Storm and Mercedes Martinez. 
I watched this match twice, and I'll tell you why. So I watched this match in real time, so to speak. Not live, I watched this the next day. For some reason, I have a normal sleep plan, so I apologise if this video is a little bit too late for your liking. I like to try and get them out as soon after the show as possible, but your boy needs sleep as well, especially with the amount of work he's putting in. And trust me, you're going to see why I've needed some sleep, because we've got some very special things coming on this YouTube channel very, very soon. This was a match that... I needed to watch twice because the first time I watched it, I watched it while watching it with my boy Cameron, Cameron Anderson, who some people might know as a blossoming young wrestler from Quality Wrestling and beyond down in Portsmouth in the United Kingdom. And maybe it's because I was slightly distracted, but I thought it wasn't that good. So I watched it again, and I'm glad I did, because in retrospect, and this is why sometimes it's good to really comb through a match, especially if you're going to analyse it, review it like I do, and that's not to say I'm not a mark and I do still enjoy it, but watching it the second time around, I actually saw a lot more of the offence and the way it was delivered and the storytelling, and I appreciate it a lot more, and I have to say, it went from being maybe a three-star to a four-star, I definitely felt like it was an upgrade for me watching it back. Um, but the thing that really kind of left a bit of taste in my mouth... <sighs> was the ending of the match. Now, there was great stuff to build up to it. I thought Tony Storm actually really showed off how good she can be. And it was wonderful to see Mercedes Martinez in a big, high-end marquee matchup. I'm really glad that she decided against working for AEW because, let's be honest, whether you like it or not, up until now, their women's division has been, frankly, lackluster. And that is me being incredibly polite. Uh, but Mercedes Martinez is being used properly here. And she felt like the, for lack of a better term, and maybe pun intended, the grizzled veteran, so to speak, of this matchup. And I thought that was very cool. It almost felt like she was kind of the underdog who deserved better, if you know what I mean. This was her opportunity that maybe she hadn't been afforded before. So here she is in this high-level matchup against Io Shirai and Tony Storm. But... Also, this felt like a slightly shorter match. Now, I didn't look at the time scale. I'm not that obsessed with being anal about times and numbers and things. But I must admit, at the end of it, I thought, that felt a little bit short. A little bit shorter than maybe the other matches were given. And the great thing about an NXT TakeOver is it's two and a half hours. And it's only five matches. So it's so easy to sit back and enjoy. They don't flood you with a ridiculous amount of nonsense like so many pay-per-views do. Not just AEW. WWE are just as guilty of it. Particularly in their main roster pay-per-views. You think, oh, just take it easy. And actually, if there's one thing you can say that's been an upside and a positive from the COVID-19 era of wrestling, it definitely has to be the fact that some of these shows, and in particular... WWE's main roster shows they've taken us back a little bit they've trimmed off quite a bit of fat and for that reason you feel like you're enjoying the show and it's much easier to consume without getting too exhausted I don't want to watch five six hour long WrestleMania shows I don't need to see a five hour Wrestle Kingdom show twice over a weekend I'm quite happy with a two and a half to three hour pay-per-view takes me back to the good old days when I was an even fatter kid sitting up late at night drinking black coffee before school and watching Armageddon good stuff um this match was fantastic actually better than I thought it was but the ending was still very jarring and it did feel a little bit botchy uh, and a little bit rough around the edges and sometimes like I said earlier that can be a real good plus to the match because it can make it feel like a more real fight. But for me, I felt like it took something away from this. I'd love to know what you guys think, actually. Please let me know in the comments below because maybe I'm being too harsh. But And I love women's wrestling. And maybe that's because 
I put these women on such a pedestal and I hyped them up so much. Maybe that's why I'm slightly disappointed by this match. But it just didn't feel like the big, big marquee matchup. And actually, now that I think about it, I probably enjoyed the tag team match slightly more. Making this, arguably for me, the weakest match in the night. Even though it was better than I thought it was. It was still a phenomenal contest, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it was shit, not saying it was bad by any means, but I feel like it was slightly lackluster. Maybe that's to do with my own hype. Like I say, let me know in the comments below. Let me know what you guys think. Maybe I'm just being too harsh and I'm just being a miserable old man and I apologise for that. But I genuinely felt that there was just something missing. And the ending for me, that's the second time in the triple threat scenario that Io Shirai has won with a moonsault to the legs because she kind of hit the knees. Now, I know that she's trying to play it safe and whatever, but it just felt like it was slightly lacking in terms of impact for a finish of a match. When you consider, and like I said earlier, the finishes of all the other matches, the way MSK were able to finish with that insane flipping blockbuster street sweep, whatever you want to call that insane maneuver, um, and obviously the finish of the main event, even the finish of the tag team match where Rako Gonzalez just basically destroyed everything in sight and used that sick power bomb to get the finish. Finish. This just felt like a very lackluster, weaker finish for me. But like I say, let's hear what you guys have to say about it because it's not just about me. This podcast is also about you guys, and I love being able to interact with so many of you amazing fans of the podcast and wrestling fans as well. I'm very grateful to have you guys on board. Now, the main event, <sighs> buckle up because you're about to hear a lot of man love. Um, but before we do get to that, mark out moment, okay. I love Eli Drake like nobody's business. I think he's one of the best talkers. Dommy, yeah. <laughs> gold. Fucking gold. Everything he did in Impact Wrestling was so, 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 so special. And now he's a part of the WWE NXT roster as L.A. Knight. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. He has not compromised anything about him. And I see, oh God, I see the WWE haters on social media. What do you guys think about it? You know, podcasts are using this as an opportunity to garner a bit of interest and say, hey, what do you guys think about this? And they're all like, oh yeah, well, it's all right, but oh, the name's shit. <sighs> Again, like I said earlier, I don't particularly like Wesley as a name. I think that's a bit cheap. But the guy himself, Desmond Xavier, is one of the best wrestlers in the world. And it doesn't matter that much. As long as it's not something atrocious like Turd Burglar or something, I'm okay with it. L.A. Knight, I actually think is quite a good name. I like it. Is it L.A. Taylor? No, it isn't. Shout out to my girl L.A. Taylor, by the way. But <laughs> I love it. And I love this guy. He is so charismatic. He, for me, very much feels like... Now, a lot of people have said he's the greatest knockoff of The Rock you've ever seen. For me, that's a compliment because The Rock is one of the greatest might workers to ever live period and he's now the highest paid actor in the world so turns out he was doing it right all along LA Knight yeah is gonna be fucking money absolute money and I saw people saying oh he should have gone to AEW no absolutely not normally I don't really care where they go as long as they get used properly and they gain money but come on you can't tell me that he's not a perfect fit for NXT particularly a company that has some great mic workers but it hasn't got all the strongest mic workers there's one thing that AEW has got a lot of right now high quality mic workers impact wrestling again high quality mic workers so to see him arrive where you haven't really got too many fantastic over-the-top comedic sports entertainment-based mic workers brilliant 
Absolutely brilliant. For me, he could slot straight in on Raw and feel like a megastar. He's going to be big business. This is a perfect landing spot for him. And also him running down that fucking douchebag with a terrible suit from Barstool Sports. That works for me too. And Wade Barrett even looked like he was popping a little bit for that. I love this. This is perfect. I marked out so, so hard. And the marking out continued because I wasn't able to catch my breath because Pete Dunne challenged... Finn Balor, the Prince of NXT, for that beautiful NXT Championship. And as everybody knows, for the best part of, I'd say, three or four years now, particularly during his main roster run, I have not been overly impressed with Finn Balor. I loved him in NXT to a certain extent. Loved his rivalry with Samoa Joe. Loved his stuff as well with Devitt, of course. And then he got to the main roster, and he was having wars with guys like Bobby Lashley, and I thought... You're actually a bit boring. He's never been the strongest might worker. He's, I felt like the system swallowed him up and he became so, so boring. And then he came back to NXT recently and ever so slowly, I have become the biggest fucking mark for Finn Balor. I don't know what's going on. He's just grabbed hold of me and he's like, by hook or by crook, Erinix, you will love my shit. <laughs> and you know what, Mr. Banner, I do. And he is putting together a run of matches right now, which really feels special. People remember when Bret Hart was putting together a body of work in the mid to, well, even the early 90s, but definitely the mid to late 90s, until he obviously, you know, moved on to WCW. People remember Eddie Guerrero's run in 2002-2003 um, when he came back to WWE and eventually captured the title in 2004 at No Way Out, a really special moment. People remember guys like, you know, unfortunately, even Chris Benoit. Josh Alexander is a fine example of this on Impact Wrestling. And actually, I noticed Josh Alexander had a very similar sentiment on his social media. And it was great to see Josh Alexander talking so glowingly about a different company. It's time to grow up a little bit and realise that actually wrestlers just want to do well and they want everyone around them to do well. At least the good people do. This feels like he's building a spectacular run of matches, Finn Balor. And this match might be the cream of the crop. Uh <sighs> I'm going to engage in a bit of hyperbole, but I feel like it's warranted. For me, this is the best NXT TakeOver main event I've ever seen. Uh, and people will say, how could you, you know, go against war games and things like that? There was no gimmicks. There were no crutches. There was nowhere to hide. This was two men. And I, I barely remember them actually even leaving the ring at all, which is a real cheap cop-out. That canvas turned into a canvas for two world-class artists. They barely left the ring. They didn't use any props. There was no chairs. You know, there was no cage. There was nothing like that. There was just four sides of the squared circle. And there was these two men trying to fucking murder each other. And arguably the best wrestler Ireland has ever produced now in Finn Balor versus, you know, very much... The crown jewel of what is English and particularly the Brit rest scene right now in Pete Dunne. These guys, when it's all said and done, will probably look back at matches like this and we'll talk about the legends that were Finn Balor and Pete Dunne. Um, I loved it. I thought it was fucking magnificent. The transitions, the violent nature of how they targeted each other. So obviously the whole match, right? And this is the other thing as well. Wrestling doesn't have to be overly convoluted and ridiculously difficult. The whole match stemmed around Pete Dunne wanted to break his fucking fingers, really targeting his left hand especially. And Finn Balor, in response to this, was targeting Pete Dunne's leg, particularly his ankle and his foot. That was it. 
That was literally it. Other than that, it was all about, I have so much disdain for you. I fucking loathe you. I hate the fact that you're the prince, that you're the poster child of European wrestling. And I'm the guy who has done literally everything. I'm the longest running NXT UK champion of all time. You're not fucking European wrestling. I'm European wrestling. You're a shiny Americanized piece of shit. I'm fucking Pete Dunne. And on the flip side, fuck you, Pete Dunne. I'm the prince for a reason because I'm the very fucking best. Nobody hangs with me in this fucking ring. And they told that story and they told that story beautifully not a fucking moment out of place some of the technical wrestling would have literally made daniel bryan kurt angle and bret hart in a room together blush it was so spectacular it was so real it had meaning it had purpose everything was physical and violent and what was lovely about this match is it actually had a very japanese feel to it dare i say one of the real famous tropes of particularly traditional wrestling, if you go back and watch uh, guys like Inoki, of that kind of ilk, they would build and build and build, particularly in the longer matches. Kenta Kabashi, there's, there's so many names, seriously. Go back and watch anything from Japanese wrestling or, you know, all the way through to today. They would build and build and build. You know, it'd be very slow paced. It would be very a feeling out process. And then you would get to a crescendo and a crescendo would build. And then sometimes, and particularly in the modern era, we get more than one. And this match did that. You know, you sit there and you think, I have to sit here and admire what I'm watching. And then it starts getting better and better and better and more violent and more physical and faster. And then they start sparring and there's this energy. The adrenaline's reaching a peak, you know hitting an enziguri, hitting a Pele kick, then automatically at some points they just like that cut each other off, stamping on the fingers or trying to snap the fingers and everything was sold beautifully. I'm gonna say this, if you didn't enjoy this match, if you didn't think this was one of the better wrestling matches you've seen, then you obviously don't get wrestling and that's fine, but come on, this was really, really fucking special. I don't need to be an expert in wrestling or technical wrestling or anything to do with it to know that this was truly fucking awesome. This felt like a fight from the get-go. This felt, honestly, there are times when I was watching this where I said, if you tuned into this halfway through, you'd think you were watching UFC. If you didn't know that this was professional wrestling, if you had no clue, if you were a neutral, you'd be like, Jesus, look at these two geezers grappling around on the floor trying to fuck each other up. It was so, so special. This is definitely my match of the year so far, and I'll be amazed if anything tops it. I really will. This was spectacular. And this is on a night where we had MSK versus GYV in a five-star classic. That's unfair, boys. That's really unfair that you went out there and had this match. Obviously, it's subjective. Obviously, it's to my taste, but that's my fucking opinion, and you're going to have to swallow it. I thought this was an absolute masterpiece, and all the way to the end. By the way, this had the best false finish I have ever seen in a wrestling match in my entire adult life. I'm happy to say that. Since I was a kid, obviously, when you're a mark and that, you think everything's a great finish. But at 36 years old, to sit there and watch that and see him force his way into the bitter end. By the way, brilliant. Even the commentary team missed it. The way that, obviously, because you trapped the arm through the legs and he used it as an ability and the referee caught it perfectly and sold it beautifully as well. And the referee was masterful in this match as well. Everything worked. Um, he essentially low blow Finn Balor with his own arm and then hit the bitter end. And I thought it was over. I did. I, I jumped up and screamed audibly because I, I, I thought Pete Dunne was going to get it. And that was one of the best false fit. And do you know why it worked so well? Because there wasn't five billion of them. All too often, WWE is terrible for this. And this is where I will take them to task for. 
these ridiculous over-the-top false finishes and I've noticed that AEW's picked up on it and other companies do it now it just seems to be a, a very much a, a western wrestling trait because they didn't go for a pinfall all the time because every single high impact move didn't need to be an immediate oh he got him oh he kicked out at the last second no they built and they built and they built and they built and he finally attempts a pinfall after hitting his finisher and he kicks out and you're like Jesus Christ it takes your breath away masterful absolutely masterful this for me is very much the standard bearer for storytelling and psychological high impact wrestling and i would put this in front of any classroom full of wrestlers and say this is what any of us should aspire to be i can only dream as a fat trainee of getting even one percent of the magic that this match was able to create this, for me, was a fucking masterpiece. It was a work of art. It was right up there with Volta versus Pete Dunne, Volta versus Ilya Dragunov. It was up there with Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels, uh, Iron Man matches, Lesnar versus Angle, those kind of matches, Eddie Guerrero, and so many great matches. He had Benoit when he was in his prime. This is up there. It's truly, for me, one of the great marquee matches I've seen. And I think the really sad thing is that people may not necessarily remember it that way because I feel like the modern era of wrestling fans are so insatiably hungry. I can be guilty of that too. But we're so insatiably hungry for, you know, the next great match, the next big thing, the next big star that we actually don't take time to stop and appreciate matches like this. I thought it was a masterpiece. And it's obviously Finn Balor who creates yet another notch to his current legacy as this NXT title. This is one of the best title runs I've seen, arguably, in the last 20 years. Because not only is he consistently having legitimate world-class five-star matches, but he's knocking off world-class opponents as well. One of the guys he knocked off was Carlo Riley. At the end of this match, obviously, lads, 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 my boy, Danny Birch, him and only Lorcan strike, they attack. And also, it was great that he didn't get involved in this match. Now, obviously, they attack them, like I said. Uh, and then, of course, that causes the running from my boys, the Undisputed Era. Shock the system. Boom. And you think, oh, hello. They chase off those nasty heels. Kyle O'Reilly's man crush, his love for Finn Balor is at an all-time high. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I ship you two like nobody's business. He helps him up. They all line up. They start doing the little pose. I'm like, oh my God, we're going to get Finn Balor in the Undisputed Era. This is what we're going to get while Bobby Fischer, boom! What the fuck? Got me. Got me. Hook, line, and sinker. Thankfully, nobody had spoiled it for me. And Cam will be able to attest to this. And I'm sure I'll let people know in the comments below. I freaked. Super kick. Adam Cole. Super kicks Finn Balor. And I thought, mwah. And that would have been enough for me. And, and I was losing my tits. And I loved it. Because it was very evident right from there. It was like, what the fuck do you think we're doing? We're the Undisputed Era. Why are we fucking being weaker and letting this fucking scrub? Fuck you. Why are we celebrating the champion? We should have his title. We are the Undisputed Era. We're not taking new people in. And then his rage overflows and the unthinkable happens. And bang, he super kicks Kyle O'Reilly. And right before our very eyes, the Undisputed Era are imploding. I'm like, no! I honestly thought... They were going to just call it and then go to the main roster. Apparently now, Carlo Riley, maybe... Do you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if they've watched Carlo Riley against Finn Balor and thought, wow, this guy could actually be a very special singles wrestler because he's that good at what he does. Either way, 
my heart breaks on Valentine's Day, no less. What a day it was. I was very busy. I was interviewing a true great of wrestling right now. And then I'm watching this and I'm thinking, you just shattered my soul. How could you do this? <laughs> um, the show goes off the air with Adam Cole staring down and also Roderick Strong coming through with the acting looking genuinely perplexed like but but you know and Adam Cole's like you're on my side you know it looks like we're gonna have a split down the middle I can smell the Red Dragon versus Undisputed Era rivalry coming up and that is gonna move you're gonna give me what I fucking want Triple H you're gonna watch this video everyone's gonna tag Triple H in this video look into my eyes Triple H give me what I want <laughs> Batista is not going to be the only person threatening you. Give me what I want. Give it to me. Um, this was so special. It had everything. Great matches, athleticism, incredible feel-good moments like MSK capturing the trophy. Um, and then, of course, you know, seeing some of the talents that you truly think deserve to be at the pinnacle of the sport, like Eli Drake, LA Knight, yeah, arriving in NXT. And then to boot it all off, this truly was an artistic masterpiece with world-class storytelling and the swerve to end all swerves at the end. I never thought in my wildest dreams that I would see the Undisputed Era break out. And I should have known because Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly have been trying to murder each other for the best part of 10 years. Please go and watch their Ring of Honor stuff. It is masterful. It's not the first time Adam Cole's turn, but it's definitely the hardest one to take. Why, Adam? Why? Masterful. NXT Vengeance Day was utterly, utterly, utterly incredible now ladies and gentlemen before we wrap it up we have some thoughts from you but before we get to that it's time to give away a t-shirt or a piece of art and i'll leave that up to the winners choosing so ladies and gentlemen we put quite literally every single subscriber's name into a hat and of course you would have a second opportunity to do so so you will be on there twice we have the pc ready to go here ladies and gentlemen which one of you lucky souls Helps if you turn it on, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, let's find out which one of you lucky souls has an art. And literally, it's a randomizer. I shall click it here, and we will find out. Let's do it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, fantastic stuff. Oh, I want to say a huge congratulations to Lee Meeks, who has won a free T-shirt or a piece of art of his choosing. Now, before everyone gets upset and thinks, how the fuck has he won it? Blah, 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 blah. We're going to be doing a lot more. We're actually gaining on 300 subscribers. And when we hit that mark, we will be giving away another free t-shirt or a piece of art. Now, the piece of art is going to be personalized and customized. So, Lee Mix, please give us a shout. Get in contact, mate. Contact me uh, personally. Or even contact WrestleBlog and let us know what you would like. A t-shirt or a piece of art. Maybe you want me to draw you as a, a wrestler. Maybe you want me to draw you holding aloft a, a title of your choosing. Whatever. Just let me know, buddy. And uh, that will be winging its way to you shortly. Congratulations, Lee Meeks. Uh, truly deserving, actually. And a really awesome human being who's consistently interacting with this podcast. So really actually quite made up that you uh, have won that. But don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, lots more to give away. I've got pot vinyls and all sorts lying around here. And I need to give them a new home so tell your friends let's get more subscribers and let's start giving away more wrestling merch 
Right, before we wrap things up, let's find out what you guys thought and the few of you who have interacted with us at WrestlePlug. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, if you are watching any wrestling product and you think, oh, I've got an opinion and I want to make it heard, well, it will be heard here because we read out everything that people send to us and we also reply in earnest to every interaction that we can. Cameron Anderson at under slash Cameron under slash PW has been in touch. He's a pro wrestler in his own right. He's certainly getting there. And he has literally just said... I'm leaving my girl, man. After that show, I know love don't exist. <laughs> it was heartbreaking, wasn't it? Watching Kyle O'Reilly get kicked in the chops by his man crush like that. Oof. I can only really relate that to if Josh Alexander turned up on his podcast and drop kicked me in the face, even though I've admitted my man love to him many times. It's, it's just soul destroying. It's not something that any of us can really cope with. And my boy Tanvir has also been in touch. Give him a follow. He's a Bit of a legend, huge mark for Japanese wrestling. So if you want to chat Japanese wrestling, NJPW in particular, this is the guy I want to talk to. And also Noah as well. Thanks for turning me on to that great product, my good brother. At Verdi under slash Tanvir. You boys love an under slash, don't you? Phrasing. Uh, Tanvir says, NXT TakeOver was great. Great swerve at the end. Match of the night was Kushida and Gargano for me. Shot Corey, you picked the Japanese guy for your match of the night. Women's tag was great. Only match I felt let down by was the women's triple threat. There you go. Uh, felt a bit short, but was still good for what it was. Commentary was great as always. I swear I heard Barrett say GSK instead of MSK at one point. Cameron Grimes' spot was funny. Something I didn't actually mention as well was Cameron Grimes and that ridiculous promo. Money, money, money. It was actually really funny. I watched that with Cameron. We were kind of watching it along together and both popping our tits off for that. That's good shit. Literally, Cameron Anderson, he's basically Cameron Grimes, uh, but less countrified. You guys, I swear to God, are related in some form or fashion, particularly when it comes to personality. Uh, Tanvir goes on to say, LA Knight is a bit of a jobber name, but let's see where it goes. Exactly. Give it some time. Let it breathe. LA Knight, as long as he doesn't get treated as badly as EC3 did, I think they've got absolute money on their hands. And we all love a bit of LA Knight. Dummy. Yeah. <sighs> all round great takeover as always. And looking forward to Thursday morning. I know NXT is Wednesday, but I record it, so I watch it on Thursday before work. Yes, because unlike me, you are a normal human being who gets up for work at a normal hour. <laughs> um, thank you very much for sending your interactions in, mate. That does it, really. Uh, I couldn't agree more, really. Obviously, for me, the match of the night was most definitely the main event, which I thought was truly spectacular, as I've just fawned over. But let us know what you guys think. We've also got a State of Wrestling address drop in this week. We'll be discussing all the wrestling news so if you've got any thoughts on wrestling, period, if anything's really irked you, if you've been on social media and thought, that's bullshit, or even if you've been on social media and thought, I agree, if you've got thoughts, send them to at WrestlePlug, you can DM us, you can email us, WrestlePlug at gmail.com, doesn't matter how you get in contact, whether it's a tweet, whatever it may be, send us your thoughts on wrestling and we'll be sure to read those out on the State of Wrestling address, hopefully my boy Carl Wilkinson will be joining me for that and we have two very special interviews dropping very soon from wrestlers, please keep an eye on our social media and particularly this channel because you will be seeing some giveaways as to who will be coming on the podcast next. From myself, Aaron Nix, thank you very much for watching, thank you for bearing with us, hopefully you've enjoyed the highlights, time for the time trying to get lost. And it's time for me to get lost as well. But I will catch you very soon for more content for the WrestleBlog.